We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. He's got all the insight on what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hour number two on Sports Daily. Tommy Castor, Paul Savage. And Jad Chambers producing the show. Your calls at 869-1240. Welcoming in Tim Fitzgerald, gopowercat.com on the line with us for our weekly chat. And uh, Tim, I want to start things off. I don't know if you saw this or not. Um, Aaron Rodgers has emerged from his darkness retreat in case you were concerned about where he was. And, you know, he's been in a room without light for the last four days and four nights. So that's good. Breaking news that's happening right now. Um, I'm I'm not sure how this affects me in any way. So, <laughs> well, I I mentioned it before the break that uh, he saw a shadow, so that means six more weeks of winter, um, which is uh, you know it is what it is. Uh, regardless, though, that just came down uh, about an hour ago. All right, we're going to get into uh, some K State <laughs> basketball talk here uh, on the show with you, Tim. It's been a really solid week for the Wildcats getting a couple of much-needed wins, getting over that hump. We talked last week on the show about uh, whether or not the Wildcats had hit a little bit of a wall uh, after going on the road uh, the last couple of games before this week and losing on the road to Texas Tech and Oklahoma. Of course, it had been a little bit of a skid for the Wildcats, but they responded at home. Uh, against two top 25 opponents against Iowa State last Saturday, winning by six and then a 10 point win on Tuesday night against the ninth ranked Baylor Bears. What have you seen this week from the Wildcats? Uh, of course, we know that they're they're playing better basketball, but do you feel like they are kind of off of that skid right now and moving back in a positive direction? Uh, I think beating Iowa State helped their mindset. Uh, I think they... Uh, you know, ending the losing ways, getting another win over a, a really good team helped them. They they still didn't play great. They they trailed at halftime, and they played better in the second half. And then they, in some ways, they mirror that against an even better team in Baylor, trail at halftime, and then they really did look like their old selves in the second half against Baylor. They they looked a lot more fresh. And after the game, Jerome Tang admitted he's kind of changed the the practice philosophy now as they come down the stretch, he thought his team was tired. He thought Keontae Johnson uh, wasn't as fresh as he needed to be. And it was very clear in the second half that K-State was the fresher team. They um, responded and they really attacked 
Baylor uh, around the basket. It didn't shoot the ball well. I mean, the three guards were 0-13, including uh, from three-point range, including Marquise Noel being 0-6. Uh, but they did everything else right. Seven turnovers in the game. Uh, Noel had zero turnovers and 10 assists. So uh, they really easily handled a really good basketball team in the second half and, and did it without their A game. They, they really did not shoot the ball well throughout the entire game. Let's focus in a little bit on that second half against Baylor on Tuesday night. So the Wildcats fall behind by three at halftime. Uh, and I'm with you. you know, they looked you know tired, uh, especially in that first half. But something switched. Was that just them getting a a burst of, of energy or adrenaline somehow to, to pull away and get the win? Was it coaching adjustments from Jerome Tang? Was it all of the above? I mean, what would you see that changed for the Wildcats in the second half? Well, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are offensively. I think this K-State team has learned that it has to be good defensively uh, to get things going for the offense because good defense gets them into transition, gets them out running. And that's what they did early in that second half. They got up and down the floor a little bit. They got Desi Stills a little bit more involved. Cam Carter, who also struggled from beyond the line, uh, rebounded well and attacked the rim inside the arc. Uh, this team wants to play fast, but they can't forget to play fast. they got to be really good on defense. And I think once they understand the bond between going fast and and playing defense, this is a really dangerous team in the postseason, but we'll see if they can maintain that energy level they showed against Baylor in the second half, particularly Keontae Johnson. When he's that good, K-State is a beast, and um, he's a special player, but he has not been – you know, I don't want to be overly critical, but he hasn't been that level of special for a couple of weeks until the Baylor game. Tim Paul Savage here. It's always fun <clears throat> to talk to you. You're one of my favorite guys. And I guess mm. one of the questions I'd love to ask you is with regards to the overall Big 12, if you don't mind, kind of get into that just a little bit. I can't remember a year where I've had so much fun following Big 12 basketball because Every team can beat any team. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're Oklahoma and you're 3-12 and 12 in, in, in the Big 12 at this point. You could beat Kansas. You could beat Texas when you play them. And, and I've really got a kick out of that. So I want to ask you a question. All year long, we've been saying that we thought that the, uh, the Big 12 would get seven to eight teams into the, into the, uh, into the tournament. Can I safely say that there is a possibility – that the Big 12 could get nine teams into the Big 12, everybody except Oklahoma? Is that a reality? Could that happen? Um, it could happen. It really could. And, of course, a lot of it depends on what these teams do down the stretch. Right, right. Um, and uh, we'll see if West Virginia and Texas Tech can get the job done. But, Paul, I, it's funny you bring this up because I talked about the same thing on our podcast. I'm intrigued by the idea of both West Virginia and Tech getting into the tournament in Dayton in the first four, not playing each other, but the opposite uh, games involving, um, you know, the right. non-16 seeds. Cool. And if the Big 12 is so good, they'll both advance into the regular bracket <laughs> of 64. Uh, and I think that would make some pretty good watching uh, for the nation. Here's a good measurement. The bottom of the Big 12 is in the NCAA tournament. Can they get through Dayton first? Um, I think that's a good sales pitch for CBS, and we'll see if the committee buys in. It certainly looks like the committee is a, a big-time believer in the Big 12. 
after seeing Kansas State on the three line from the committee <clears throat> after losses at Tech and Oklahoma. Right on the heels of that, they're still a three seed, and that tells me they value everyone in this conference highly. Uh, and it might just happen. We might see nine in the in the bracket, which is historic and very defining of how good this is. And keep in mind, the tenth team, Oklahoma just beat the wheels off of of Alabama, which is expected to be a one seed. Uh, again, this conference is stupid good. Oh, good point. Ridiculous. Yeah. Good point. Oh, yeah. yeah. Talking to uh, Tim Fitzgerald from GoPowerCat.com here on Sports Daily. And, and Tim, this is a, a discussion that Jacob and I have had a couple of different times on, on the show, and I want to get your take on it here down the stretch with this Wildcat squad. We all know about – Keontae Johnson. We all know about Marquise Noel. We know what these guys can do game in and game out. And I think that one of the big questions has been who else when it's needed Mm -hmm. most for the Wildcats can step up. Cam Carter was in double figures uh, against the the Bears on Tuesday night. There were no other players in double figures against Iowa State. Of course, that was a much more low scoring game. Uh, Ish Masood had nine points. Do you feel like there is a player or maybe two players outside of Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel that we know they're going to do big things each and every night. Is there another player that you feel like has to step up down the stretch for the Wildcats to be the best versions of themselves? Yeah. And, you know, I think all the best teams, the great teams, the ones that survive a lot of tests through the season and certainly in the NCAA tournament are the ones with three dudes, you know, because sometimes one of your dudes has a really bad night and you need someone to step up or maybe both of them and someone needs to carry the load and go for 20 plus. And when I look at K-State's roster earlier in the season, I thought that was Naquan Tomlin, but I, I don't think he at this point of his career only been playing basketball, organized basketball for, you know, what, three, four years, <clears throat> isn't in the position to consistently perform at that level. He can really help the team. Uh, you look at Cam Carter, a, a sophomore who hasn't played a great deal of college basketball since, you know, before he came to Kansas State. And he's also capable of having big games. But for me, the guy uh, they really need, and when you get in the postseason, it's about guard play, which Cam is. But Desi Sills is uh, an experienced guy. And when Desi starts going, the team follows. When Desi makes a steal, takes it to length and gets to the rim, or breaks down the defense and gets to the rim, it seems to have, uh, you know, a magnifying effect on everything, a multiplier, so to speak, of, of what Kansas State can do. So I think the answer is Desi Sills. And if he could start performing at a consistent level, getting in double digits, rebounding and defending, but mostly attacking the rim. Uh, Coach Tank talked about it a couple of press conferences ago. When Desi gets going downhill to the basket, the entire team thrives off of it because uh, he breaks down defenses. And uh, that's really where I think K-State is. If they can get him going over the next, what, they got three regular season, you know, I, if, you know, next five games and get them, get them really going, they're going to be possibly a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. And then they're going to see teams other than the Big 12, and it'll be interesting to see how these Big 12 teams respond. Uh, Tim, there's uh... – it, it, everybody understands that uh, Coach Tang came from, from Baylor after, what, nearly two decades with Scott Drew uh, at Baylor. And I guess my question to you, I'd like to know, uh, and by the way, these guys love each other. It's obvious, uh, mm-hmm. having, having watched the uh, broadcast uh, live while that game was, uh, was playing, uh, at, before the game there was a, 
a warm embrace between the two. Genuine. There's no question these guys love each other and respect each other. It's obvious to anybody who looks. But I guess behind the scenes, at practice, in the locker room, uh, on the plane to a, to a game site, uh, in the hotels, uh, are there any Drewisms? I guess might be a good way of, of putting it, that, that you've seen Coach Tang implement. Are there any Scott Drew kind of things that you see him do, Baylor things that you see him do? Uh, because whatever he's doing, he needs to stick with it because it's working. What are those little yeah. Drewisms that Coach Tang does uh, with this K-State team? You, you can see him switch defenses. They, they, they show that zone that Baylor lived off of for so many years until recently when they mixed in the man and really found the next level. <clears throat> and I think for Baylor, that's been the, the key is the ability to switch defenses. And, guys, I think it also helps Coach Tang – against Scott Drew and Baylor, he knows when those changes are coming, when he tends to make them. (laughs) Scott Drew said after the game, we tried four different defenses, and we couldn't stop them in any of them. And I I think that kind of sums it up. Uh, But I think the most fascinating thing for me is what we thought of Jerome Tang while he was at Scott Drew's side. He seemed to be a stoic, grumpy man in some ways. You know, that's as outsiders. People Baylor knew him for what he is. And I think the fact that he's emerged as such a a joyful presence in the Kansas State community, um, inspiring in many ways, demanding in other ways. Um, And, you know, let me tell you a story after the game. You know, he's made a habit of jumping into the student section to do the postgame all-bash cannonball after a victory. Well, he did that on Tuesday. But to get there, he had to jump over the tabletops that are along the court side. He's got a padded rail. Here's a 50-plus-year-old man jumping up onto the edge of this. The table slipped, so we thought he was falling over backwards. Uh, But he kept his balance. Uh, As he says, I'm an athlete. Um, And he jumps over the table, over the chairs, onto the concrete, sticks his landing, runs up a few stairs, does the Wabash Cannonball with the students, finishes that up runs down the stairs, hops back on the tabletop, over the top, onto the court, and sprints over to the Baylor prayer circle after the game and, and gets to be a part of that. That sums up the energy. Wow. Uh, and, and, and kind of, you know, the duality of Jerome Tang, living with joy, having fun with the students, but also he's a very godly man that wanted to go then, you know, spend a moment in prayer. It, it totally summed up Jerome Tang and how we didn't know Jerome Tang one bit in reality as outsiders after 19 years at Baylor. We didn't know him at all because he's completely different than what we thought. Wow. Well, Fitz, let's look ahead to what the Wildcats have this weekend. Oklahoma State on the road in Stillwater at Gallagher-Iba. And I've been trying to figure out the best words to describe the Cowboys. Hmm. Um, I think pesky <laughs> is is a good word for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're 7-8 and eight in conference play. They've lost three in a row. But before that, they rattled off five straight wins. Uh, and it looked like, and I think, you know, they're definitely, or not definitely, but more than likely, I would say a tournament team with their resume. Uh, however, they're looking to get off that three game losing streak. What do you know about the Cowboys and what do the Wildcats have to do to get a win in Stillwater on Saturday? It seems like three losses in a row was kind of when big 12 teams say, okay, we're not losing again. So that's frightening about the Cowboys because they're more than capable playing with everyone in this conference. If 
you know, beating anyone. And Kansas State has shown it's it's struggling on the road after losing those back-to-back games in Lubbock and Norman. So this is kind of a big game for both programs. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. If you, if you are Kansas State, you need to win another road game um, if you want to get up to the two line in particular. And you've got this with Oklahoma at home and then finish at West Virginia. All three are winnable, and certainly uh, the two games on the road, I would, I'd be surprised if K-State was favored because home teams have been so good lately in the conference. Um, Oklahoma State is well-coached. They they do some things really well. They come after you. But, yeah, I think Pesky's the perfect word. They just refuse to go away. And whether you beat them or, or you get beaten, they just keep coming at you and coming at you and fighting you. And um, that's kind of what I like about Mike Boynton teams is, is they do stay after you. Even when they're struggling, their overall record, they, they find a way to be pretty efficient at times. Yeah, it's a really interesting team where, you know, they didn't they didn't start great in conference play at all, and, and you were wondering what's going to happen with them, and then kind of starting to round into form, winning five in a row, and then, of course, dropping the last three. So definitely a streaky team. What do you think as far as what Jerome Tang will want to implement? I mean, it, I would imagine we know that Oklahoma State can defend really well, so is it going to be just a matter of the Wildcats trying to get out early and overwhelm them early? Or, or what do you think the game plan should be for, for K-State? Well, uh, you know, as much trouble as they had shooting the ball from the outside uh, against Baylor, they outscored Baylor 42-16, to 16, I think, in the paint. And you consider that the post presence that Baylor has with two guys that rotate and are on the court, one of them at all times, that's really impressive. So I, I think despite the fact that K-State doesn't have a true post, the, the way they score in the lane is by attacking it and passing the ball really well in tight spaces. If they can stay on that identity, one that they lost for a stretch of the season and got back to, uh, where you know you kind of break down defenses and create opportunities, that's where K-State can cash in. Uh, they can't just rely on standing outside and shooting the ball. That's been proven. They've proved it to themselves. Uh, and when Marquise Noel goes to the hole, someone has to make themselves available cutting to the basket because when they do, he finds you, and you're going to have an opportunity to score. Well, it's a 1 o'clock start on Saturday for Kansas State on the road in Stillwater against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Tim, before we let you go, what you got going on over there at GoPowerCat.com? Well, we got some fun stuff. We got the podcast. Our podcast went up um, this morning. Um, I started a new series of my daily delivery videos, uh, kind of about how the Pac-12, so many of the fans and even administrators look down their noses at uh, Big 12 institutions and, mm. and why I find that an offensive form of classism. Uh, and I'll, I'm going to get into a lot more of the purpose of land-grant institutions because some people don't seem to understand what the role of many of these Big 12 schools is in the academic circles. Uh, but, yeah, we're having some fun covering this basketball team. Spring football is, is getting ready to get cooking, and uh, you can find it all at gopowercat.com. And uh, we'll have in the morning uh, another edition of our Friday Shootaround podcast video uh, in which Ryan Gilbert talks to former K-State players about the state of Kansas State basketball. Well, I would imagine that uh, the the more that you – troll packed uh, pack 12 schools and and all of that that you might you might need a darkness retreat to get away a little bit uh if they're going to come at you and attack you that way 
Well, if I pop my head out and it's still winter, I'm going back in. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about now that Orlando is a Big 12 city, just relocating there uh, to do all my K-State coverage digitally because I don't like winter. I grew up in Kansas. I still don't like winter. Uh, and the one thing I love about Kansas is no matter what time of year it is, the weather sucks. Um, there you go. Yeah. You get about five days a year that going, oh, it's just lovely out. And the next day it'll probably <laughs> That's typically the way that it goes around here. All right, Tim, we thank you uh, for coming in, of course, every week here uh, doing this segment on Sports Daily. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Okay, Jacob, I missed you, but they're doing a great job. Well, bless your heart. <laughs> there thank goes you. There you go. There goes Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, previewing everything with Kansas State Hoops this weekend as they're on the road against Oklahoma State. We're going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to dive into the weird situation with Alabama and freshman standout Brandon Miller and the latest on all of that. We're going to get into that coming up next on Sports Daily. call is welcome 869-1240 sports daily on 97.5 and 1240 kfh wichita's number one sports talk radio even a wager that misses can still be a slam dunk with betmgm an authorized gaming partner of the nba place an nba one game parlay wager with four legs or more and if you miss one leg you'll receive up to 25 dollars back in bonus bets just opt into the promotion on betmgm's app or website With one game parlay, you can make selections within a single NBA game from tons of bet types, including team and player props. So go ahead and take your favorite NBA star to score big, the home team to cover, and the over in points. Opt into the promotion, then place an NBA one game parlay wager of four legs or more, and you'll get up to 25 bucks back in bonus bets if you miss one leg. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager, Kansas only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Welcome back in, everybody. It's Sports Daily on a Thursday. Tommy Castor, Paul Savage, and Jad Chambers producing your phone calls. As always, at 869-1240, our thanks to Tim Fitzgerald from GoPowerCat.com joining us on the program. If you missed anything, you can always go back and listen online at KFHRadio.com or on the Odyssey app. Okay, Paul, want to get into this here. Uh, we've been teasing it since the start of the show. Um, a, a really unfortunate disappointing bizarre strange story in college basketball Alabama freshman forward Brandon Miller uh, who was allegedly involved as a cooperative witness in a murder case from former Alabama basketball player Darius Miles Brandon Miller played in the game uh, last night as Alabama took on South Carolina it was an overtime victory for the Crimson Tide Miller scored 41 points including the game winner. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about this. Uh, Miller has not been charged with any crime, but according to police records, uh, he allegedly delivered the murder weapon, the gun to Darius miles uh, when that happened last month. Um, That's what the reports are saying right now. Nate Oates, the head coach of Alabama under some scrutiny right now for 
some words that he said in a press conference earlier this week where he said that Miller was at the wrong spot at the wrong time. Uh, and then after the game, this is what Nate Oates said. Quite a game, but before we get into the game, just want to address yesterday's press conference and my response to the Brandon Miller question. I'm not here to make excuses, but I want to make it clear that I didn't have the details from the hearing that morning since I was coming straight from practice. And I used a poor choice of words, making it appear like I wasn't taking this tragic situation seriously, which we have throughout the course of it. I sincerely apologize for that. I know Greg shared some information earlier today on the situation. I don't really have anything more to add other than what he's already shared. So so kind of an apology there from uh, Nate Oates, uh, the words that he used in the press conference earlier this week. Of course, Brandon Miller played in the game, like I mentioned, uh, last night after the details were released from police that uh, he allegedly delivered that weapon, Paul. And um, there's a lot to talk about with this, but your your first gut reaction to all of this. My first gut reaction to all of this is what the heck's going on? How come we don't know more? And my first gut reaction would be simply this. Uh, you know, everybody is innocent until proven guilty. There's no question about that in my mind. Now, the way the reports were coming earlier, say say the last few days even, is that Brandon Miller actually brought a gun because he was asked to grab a gun and bring a gun to the eventual shooter. That's what I thought. Is that what you kind of thought, Tommy? Just I'm just asking. Yeah, that's what the yeah. So yeah. Uh, this was a, a testimony. Uh, during the investigation from a law enforcement officer, he testified uh, that Darius Miles, who was the former Alabama basketball player, he was arrested for his involvement in that shooting, uh, texted Brandon Miller to bring bring Miles's gun. It wasn't Miller's gun, apparently, but bringing Miles his gun to the scene where the shooting happened. Yeah, that that was never the question that it was his gun. It was he was asked to bring, and he brought an eventual weapon that murdered somebody. And I thought to myself, well, man, that's this is not going to end up well for for uh, Brandon uh, Miller because now let's also keep in context because we haven't put in context who is Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller is going to be one of the top uh, picks in the next lottery for the NBA draft, and he's going to come out this year. He's going to be in the NBA next year, and he's going to be one of the top picks. There may be one or two, if if I understand. Uh, the the NBA draft at this point, it appears there might be a couple of uh, uh, overseas players that go before him, but he's going to be in the top three, top four, top five, somewhere in that area, and he'll probably be the uh, number one uh, American picked in the NBA draft. That's how good this guy is. So we're talking about a guy with a lot of upside potential to make a lot, a lot of money. So that's who he is. So you got to keep that in mind as you try to formulate what's going on in this whole program. So, so Paul, oh, do you, do you, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you disagree with Alabama's decision to play Brandon Miller last night? Well, I, I could see where, as I said, when we started, Tommy, everyone in America based upon our constitutional rights is innocent until proven guilty. However, that does not mean that a university has to play somebody. I think it might have been appropriate to wait one game, get more clarification, see what's going on, let this settle in. 
Uh, I'm not sure that it would have hurt to have him sit just one game. You can make the comment that that Brandon Miller is, yes, still a member of the Alabama Tide basketball team. I have no problem with that. Uh, we're waiting for a little more information uh, and, and, and maybe sat him for one game. But to take him on the road, and which is obviously going to be a problem, obviously it's going to be treated by the student body of, of South Carolina as a farce and what, you, what are you doing? And by the way, you know there were boos all the way through the evening. Oh, yeah. That wasn't the worst of it. <laughs> that, my friend, that was not the worst of, of what went on, just some boos every time he touched the balls. The, the ball, that was not, you know, there were, there were all kinds of comments being made with regards to guns and criminals and all. I mean, it was, you know, student sections in the SEC can be cruel, if you know what I mean. Well, there was a fight. There was a fight midway through the game in the stands, uh, you know, between some fans. Right, and I don't right. know if it was was related to that, but it seemed to be absolutely wild in South Carolina last night. So all I'm saying is, is that that if you're a if you're a basketball program, you know, one game will not make or break you. One game is going to make or break your seed in the NCAA tournament, whether you win or lose. And the fact is, I think that the entire Alabama basketball team was distracted. Their heart wasn't in it. Their minds weren't in it. The Brandon Miller scored 41 points. This game went to overtime. Shouldn't have gone to overtime. But Brandon Miller kept this team single-handed in this game and allowed them to win at South Carolina. So that shows me that there was a lot of distractions going on in the last week or so with Alabama. And it did affect a lot of their players. Affected their coach. Their coach, you know, is end up having to apologize before he makes comments on a basketball a game, you know, which is insignificant compared to what happened to this young lady. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, do I do I think he should have been sus- suspended? Do I think he should have not played? Maybe for the first game until we have more clarification, and the next game might be at home, and I don't know what the schedule is. But, yeah, I probably would have said we're going to be safe. We're going to make sure that everything is done right that it, and, and he, we're going to allow him to set. But Alabama went out of its way to say he is a member of the team, that he has done nothing wrong, that he's going to play tonight, and that we are going forward uh, with everything uh, that, that we know. And I get that and I understand that. I just think they could have been a little more judicious with uh, the way they handled it. And I I don't know if that's right or wrong, Tommy. I don't know if I'm right. Let's be very, very clear. So Brandon Miller has not been charged with a crime. That's right. He is currently classified as a cooperating witness, has not been charged with any crime. This was testimony that came out 24 hours ago uh, by a law enforcement official uh, and at even after that testimony, maybe things will change. But as of now, not charged with any crime. Nate Oates said when asked the question about the decision to allow Miller to play, his quote was, we make decisions based on available facts, and that's what we did here. Okay, so in in the, the mind of Alabama, they believe that, uh, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating here, that until there is a definitive charge or something like that against Brandon Miller that they they don't they don't want to do anything until uh, more information comes to light so I, I I guess I kind of 
understand that. Here's the thing, though. This is where I want to contrast the Brandon Miller situation and him playing last night and scoring 41 points. You can relate this back to a, a situation going on right now with Wichita State basketball. A guy by the name of Colby Rogers who transferred in from Siena and was denied a waiver by the NCAA. And he cannot play this entire season because he's transferred too much, apparently, according to the NCAA. He's not playing. He's not playing right now because of a transfer issue. But allegedly, a player for Alabama who allegedly brought a gun to a murder is still allowed to play on the team. Same thing like you think of a couple of years ago, the Kansas-Kansas State brawl that happened inside Allen Fieldhouse. And Silvio DeSosa, who at that time was a member of the Kansas basketball team, that iconic photo of him picking up a stool and getting ready to hit a player with it. He didn't end up hitting anybody, but he lifted the stool above his head. He never played another game for the University of Kansas. Never. And here we have Brandon Miller, again, allegedly accused of bringing a gun to a murder, playing less than 24 hours after that information was testified, scoring 41 points, and leading the number two ranked Crimson Tide to a victory. So again, in the context of just this situation, okay, I kind of understand Nate Oates saying, you know, the available facts are what we have and we're making decisions based on that. If anything changes, we'll reevaluate. Okay, I get that. But in the context of other players who are being held out for other reasons and are not playing, uh, it just seems ludicrous to me that this guy is playing while there are other players that are being held out for much, 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 much smaller reasons. Well, and that's an, a, a great point. And let's not forget also the comments made by, by Nate Oates. We know where he, he lies, and that's, you know, it doesn't matter to him as long as the kid is, you know, you know by the letter of the law, I guess, is, is how I would put it. You know, this is a kid that he wants on the court. And, uh, you know, there was a quote by uh, Coach Oates, the head coach of the Crimson Tide last night, who said, not surprised he came ready to play and he played well tonight. Well, you know, something there's, there's something to be said for that. It's an accurate quote. And yet somehow it rings hollow on a night like, on a night like that where all these things have gone down. It certainly distracted the, his teammates because a lot of his teammates did not play well. He literally outscored his team with regards to uh, this one particular game. But I got your point, Tommy, and you're right. Uh, I still want to think to myself, you're, you're innocent until proven guilty. But that's in a court of law. A university can right. do whatever it wants to do. And a university and an athletic department can do what they want to do uh, with regards to players. And all I'm saying is, am I saying that he needs to be banned? No. All I'm saying is that I want a little more clarity. I want a little more uh, time to, to digest. Uh, you know, originally it was said that he had the gun, went, got the gun, put the gun in the car, and transported the gun. Now, uh, I guess he didn't know it. Now, now we have testimony that he didn't know the gun was in the car. Well, there's a right. lot of discrepancies going on right now. Would you not there agree? There is. And, and, there's a lot of uh, yeah, things and, and that I, I don't know. Right. You don't know. Nobody knows. And until we know, I'd con I, I would just say, I don't think it's asking too much to have this kid set one game and let's get some new legs under us, uh, get through the weekend, and let's just see where we sit. I don't think there's any problem 
with with that. Let's get to the weekend and then we'll make a decision. I just think yeah, that I'm that's just thinking proof. that right. I'm just thinking that there is a, an argument to be made to err on the side of caution uh, I- until more information is revealed until you kind of know exactly right. You know the way that things pan out. But regardless, they're the number two ranked team in the country. Brandon Miller is a standout freshman. Right. He's somebody that NBA scouts are taking a hard look at. Well, he'll be in the NBA uh, and next I year. think. Right, and I think that what what is so what makes this story uh, rise to the top as far as national attention on it is the fact that you contrast the reports from the law enforcement official as far as what he testified happened that day, and then very quickly, not only does he play in the game, but he scores forty one points and he hits the game winner in overtime. Right, you know, so you contrast those two things together. And I mean, it makes for a wild story. We'll see how it continues with Alabama. They're back at home on Saturday afternoon, taking on Arkansas. And uh, so about 24 hours or 48 hours away from from that game. We'll see if Brandon Miller is in the lineup come Saturday. It's going to be something to keep our eyes on for sure. When we come back, we've got our final full segment, some breaking news in the world of the NFL and more specifically the AFC West and the Denver Broncos. We'll tell you about that coming up after the break on Sports Daily. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launcher Online Shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back, everybody. It's Sports Daily on a Thursday. Tommy Castor and Paul Savage with you. You know, Paul, uh, as we are going through this coaching carousel for the NFL during this offseason, we're, we're starting to see different dominoes fall. We're starting to see different coaches land in different places. But I didn't really see this one coming. Adam Schefter is reporting that former Broncos head coach Vance Joseph is returning to Denver as the team's new defensive coordinator. He's going to run the Broncos defense for new head coach Sean Payton. The reason I didn't see this coming is not a, really a knock on Vance Joseph, but how rare is it for a coach to return to a team where he was the head coach, was fired, and then brought back several years later as the defensive coordinator? I find this really interesting. Well, that's interesting as well, and this is breaking news. I did not know this, and I'm sitting here all just you know off the top of my head. I'm trying to think to myself, Tommy, uh, when did this last happen? Do I remember it? I'm not sure I I know or I remember ever a head coach returning as an assistant. Now I'll bet it's happened. I'll bet it has happened, and and I just never thought about it. But I sure can't think of one off the top of my head. And how hard would that be? To be in charge of everything, every aspect of the football program, wherever you're at it in the NFL, and then to come back, and now you're not. That would be extremely difficult for for me. It would be extremely easy to go to another franchise, but to come back to a franchise that you once had total control of and then not have total control over uh, would be very, very difficult. And let's make sure everybody understands in the hierarchy of of, of football coaching staffs, the head coach is the dictator. He's the man. What he says, go, says goes in every aspect of the football program and the football product. There are, you know, you get to make suggestions as a, an offensive coordinator or a defense coordinator, but even every game plan is sat down with the head coach and literally gone over from stopping to run, stopping to pass, what do we do third and long, what do we do second and short, what do we do, you know, all those kind of things. It's all done with the head coach's, you know, uh, you know, approval. And uh, I think it would be extremely difficult to come back and do that. I find that very unique. But then again, on the other hand, maybe the guy loves the Rocky Mountains. Maybe he loves well, I, the Denver I was going to say that. I think that he's. I think that he's comfortable. He played yes. his college football at Colorado. Uh, he was an assistant coach there uh, for the University of Colorado for a handful of years, uh, and so you know, I think that that probably plays into it a little bit as well. He was the defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals after being let go by the Broncos back in 2018. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I think that there's there's something to be said for being comfortable in a place, but God, it would be so hard when you run the show, when you're the man and then you're only there for two years, they, they force you out of town and then you come back as one of the assistants. Like, and even from just like a, 
from an ego position. I mean, it'd be, it'd be the same in any job, right? You let's say you're a manager of a retail store, you're a manager of a bank or whatever you do and you get fired, but then they bring you back as the assistant three years later, that would be really difficult to swallow. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's something to that. And uh, I, that's what gives me pause because, you know, I know, I know he can be an effective coordinator. There's no question about that. I mean, he's, he's made his bones in the NFL. He knows what he's doing. I mean, he was, he was highly thought of enough to get a head job. So uh, I would find it extremely difficult. But like you say, you know, with the contacts or the or the 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 the, the, the thing about the call, University of Colorado, you know, that's a unique lifestyle. That's a wonderful lifestyle. You know, to live in, to live in the foothills of the of the Rockies is really something special, and it is a lifestyle that is unique to a lot of places in the country. And that might might be where you want to be. And if that is, then one would take this job because it's going to pay well. He's going to get paid seven digits. Uh, as a coordinator, he's going to do just fine and dandy. He will be able to afford to live in Denver because uh, it's an expensive city. It's gotten really expensive, Tommy. I mean, both uh, all along the foothills to live has become expensive with housing. But he'll be fine. He'll get himself a nice house. He'll make enough money, and everything's going to be fine. But it's a nice lifestyle out there. And I, I would think, not knowing for sure, that that would have a large part of playing with uh, his decision to come come back to to coach at Denver. It's got to. It's the only well, thing that makes sense, at least to me. Knowing what I know and, about and, yeah. football and coaching and how it works, the mental aspect of, of picking a place to go and all that, it uh, it it that's got to play a huge part. Lifestyle is, is a big part of this. And what I found really interesting about this particular defensive coordinator search for Sean Payton is that uh, he was not really interested, it didn't seem like at least, in up and coming names in the NFL wasn't really interested in, in guys that maybe were, I don't know, a safeties coach or a linebackers coach or what he was. It was a lot of guys that have their big names and that have had uh long-term experience in the NFL. Not only was it Vance Joseph, Rex Ryan was allegedly a candidate for the defensive coordinator job. Of course, we know him as the, the former head coach of the jets and the bills. Uh, and then, he now has been on ESPN for a number of years. Matt Patricia, apparently, uh, was also a candidate, former head coach of the Lions, has been on Bill Belichick's staff, staff for a long time. But it does look like it's Vance Joseph who will be the new defensive coordinator under Sean Payton for the Denver Broncos this upcoming season. Definitely interesting and somebody that knows that organization very well because he, well, was the former head coach there for a number of years. Breaking news in the NFL as we wrap up a Thursday on Sports Daily. When we come back, we'll tell you what's on tap on the network later on today. It's on the way for you on Sports Daily. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. 
watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.